Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1 zu 0 für den VfL Bochum. Da draußen ist der Ball frei. Und jetzt ist er drin. Jetzt ist er drin. Und die Spotzen macht das Tor. Und er ist drin. Buchmann, Buchmann, Buchmann macht das zweite Tor. Da ist das Tor. Der zählt das 2 zu 2. Drist ist wieder da. Größer ist da. Für Rausch, der setzt an zur Flanke, da kommt der Ball, Tor, 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 We welcome you to our first review episode of the 2019-20 Schweizer Bundesliga season. And you join us at a good time as we get ready to also look ahead at match day two. I'm your host, Matthew Karagic. It is a pleasure to have your company once again. Joining me to digress all the drama and action from match day one and look ahead to everything this coming weekend is the lovely Eva Lotti Bowl. Eva, how are you doing today? Glad I have my voice back, more or less, but good. Thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. It was that kind of weekend, really yelling, screaming, jubilance and disappointment. It had everything on match day one and it gives us basically... 33 more match days to do all that and some. We'll start with the season opener with our Group 1 games. Stuttgart and Hanover. That game ended 2-1. Mario Gomez opening the scoring on 29 minutes. Daniel Didavi's free kick uh, on 36 gave them a 2-0 lead. And then substitute Maxim Awaji. The poor fella. Own goal. He's also sent off in this game. Real Jonathan Woodgate kind of stuff there. Um, not one he'll remember too fondly. Uh, he came in for Mark Marcin Kaminski, who got who was injured. He's out for six months. We hope him a speedy recovery. Um, Eva, this game ha- had pretty much everything uh, from goals to an unbelievable downpour in the in the summer, and Dr. Felix Breach completely losing his mind. Um, where would you like to start with this one? Yeah, so I, I want to start maybe with Hanover because I was really disappointed, especially in the second half with their performance. Um, it's a bit understanding of after that cloud burst, nobody really thought uh, Brüch would let the game go on that fast. And I think it was really good. It was not good for the game. It wasn't good for everyone who was there, who was in front of their TVs. It was not really nice to watch after that, but still... Um, it it was way too less for them in the second half. Um, I, I'd say they they had one back, but there was nothing coming forward. Um, they had the chance uh, again after each one was one man down, you could say, to, to at least level, but I wasn't really feeling anything from them. Um, they, Stuttgart was the more dominant team, especially in the first half, I'd say. Um, and Hanover was, yeah, making their way with it. So Stuttgart is for me the clear, deserved winner. Yeah, they were by far the better team, but their substitutions, a bit questionable. Um, Hanover's, you have, um, you know, 77 minutes gone. You take off an attacking player in Linton Minor. Chuck on a right back in Julian Korb. Albinos came on for Prib, but that was more out of necessity without having a proper left-back, with Ostrelek being sent off. Um, and then Dux for, for Haraguchi is, is a pretty simple one. Yeah, he... You know, Slomka got out-coached in the end, I think. 
Um, Volta had the, the ta- them tactically astute. They were able to keep possession for long periods of time. Um, you know, the Volta system has already made itself evident um, with Stuttgart. Um, they achieved what they wanted to. I think Borna Sosa, um, the Croatian left-back who, who made his debut, he was brilliant at left-back. Really provided some vigour going forward, um, breaking the line. So I really liked the way he played. And um, I think I think everyone is quite happy to see Mario Gomez get on the score sheet. <laughs> um, uh, good, good for him. And 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 um, you know Stuttgart will be hoping that'll be one of many goals. For it was him. yeah. It was actually his thirteenth goal against uh, against Hanover in nineteen games. He he's kind of of the uh, Tevode that we have with Armenia. Yeah. That. Kind of relationship, you could say. You get the feeling that Hanover fans are probably sick of him uh, getting into the right place at the right time. Uh, from there, we'll go to Dresden. Uh, Dinamo hosted Nuremberg. 1-0, the final score. Nikola Dovidan's goal, in, in many respects, against the run of play. Uh, the ball coming in from Oliver Sorg and Dovidan beating his, his marker, heading the ball past Kevin Brawl. Um it felt like deja vu for Dresden, a game which they dominated for, for long periods. They had plenty of opportunities on goal, um, but either, once again, they failed to convert their opportunities and they were duly punished. Yeah, I think that was uh, mainly due to a really, really good performance by Martinia in the Nuremberg goal. I was really impressed by, by his savings uh, due to... His saves due to... Uh, in in the in the game, um, and Nuremberg wasn't really in the game as you said. Dresden was the more dominant team. They although it was a bit balanced in the beginning. Um, Nuremberg's only way to go forward was to reach their attacking lines with long passes, but they were really never reaching their strikers or their men up front. And yeah, Dresden was good, but maybe. Yeah, the luck was a bit more on Nuremberg's side. And with uh, Nikola Dovedan, you have someone who is always good for a goal, nevertheless how the rest of the team plays. And yeah, we saw that once again. I, I think especially in the end, Dresden was a bit um, yeah, t- too eager to score and they lost their precision in front of the goal and that's why they couldn't manage to level. There is another team we'll talk about that kind of suffered the same fate as Dresden. Um, later on in our in our review, um, the one thing we kind of talked about when we were watching the game, um, the amount of offsides was seemed ridiculous. I'm not sure if Mikhail Ishak and, and Musa Kone know that offside is a rule. Uh, the amount of times they were straying off, off offside was almost lunacy. But but Nuremberg going forward, very uninspired. I know tactically they're set up quite negative. They play the five four one, which particularly um, is not ideal. I don't like that system for them. Uh, if they want to play three at the back, maybe go 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, but they looked, at times, they looked like total strangers out there. They just couldn't get um, any sort of progression going forward. But not taking anything away from Dresden, who defended quite admirably, um, it was just one of those games where they ha- it didn't seem like Nuremberg had figured it out, but against the run of play, they were able to find the goal. Yeah, uh, it's... It, it's it's all Nuremberg. I think there's. I don't really see huge difference from them going down from the Bundesliga than them now. 
not like for example Stuttgart okay they have a new coach as well but Stuttgart was you can see that there is a fire in them they really want to to use this this season to yeah rebuild themselves but I don't see that at Nuremberg at all still a long way to go in the season and I'm sure it's one step in the right direction in terms of results but in terms of playing they've still got a long way to go uh that leaves us to the last of our group one games which was in Bielefeld Armenia hosted St. Pauli. That game ended one goal apiece. Uh, Christian Conte opened the scoring with a beautiful counter-attacking move from St. Pauli. But from there, it was utter dominance from Armenia. And then and it took a 90th minute set-piece. Manuel Predel getting the goal. And weren't they happy? The Bielefelder Alm was ecstatic, but it probably could have been much more. Uh, we know that VAR is in the Svarta Bundesliga this season, and a potential penalty went awry when Daniel Bubala handled the ball. Um, this is obviously going to seem very biased, being that we are speaking to a Bielefeld fan. Um, you were there, obviously. Um, please tell us how you saw it, uh, without an etiquette of bias. Uh, maybe different, but um, <laughs> how did you see it? Did you did, when you were in the stadium? Did you believe it was handball? Uh yeah, I did actually because it was happening right in front of us. So it was happening right in front of the whole bunch of Armenia fans standing there, and I think twenty three thousand saw that this was a handball. And uh, I have to admit, I didn't knew the new role, so paragraph twelve at that point. But still, you could see that Daniel Bobala has the ball, not not only touching his hand, but he he doesn't like let let the ball free in any way in the next two or three seconds. So you could really see for for amount of seconds that he has the ball on his body. And I understand that you don't want to um, yeah say that every ball that comes from your leg upper leg whatsoever on your hand should be a penalty that is a good decision but for me this is apparently in the gray so how Bubala played it and then for me because Bastian Dankard's uh, decision was quite fast and quite clear that he pointed on the penalty spot and when like five St. Pauli players were running up he was like no no this is a penalty and then he got the news from Cologne <clears throat> and this is for me a bit strange and it's really how the fans said it's destroying our football because we were standing there for five minutes and you like how it was presented on the board is that handball um was wasn't clear for me maybe they should say it's not because rule 11 uh, or 12 or so so fans know because how it was it wasn't good for the game i know fabian close was standing in front of us just looking like you you gotta be kidding me like when we do have the var this shouldn't happen anymore this should be clear and uh, i talked to a zang pauli fan and he said to me and for me this is it should have been a penalty, especially because he he already decided on one. If it would have been the other way around, I can I can understand it. If he said, okay, play on, then the VAR says, is it a penalty? And then they say, no, it's not because of that rule. This is a bit different, but then I understand it by how it was. It's not understandable for me in any way. So, 
dear listeners out there, if you have any comments to that, please do, because I really want to understand it. Yeah, um, and there is there was some more VAR activity throughout the match day, um, which we'll get onto with our next game in just a moment. Um, yeah, it, it's so bizarre. VAR is brought in to essentially for the howler. Um, same with in cricket when they use um, DRS, um, and same with in the Australian Football League, we've got the goal review system. It's brought in for the howler. Some will say, okay, there's the grey, but we shouldn't have that much grey area in, in, in the game. We should be, you know, we should be striving to have that black and white as much as possible. Um, it, it's a strange decision. If if that kind of decision, which was initially given a penalty, was overturned in, say, a World Cup final, I mean, I'm sure we'd get an uproar. Not saying that the importance of this game was any different, obviously, because, you know, it's Spider Bundesliga, but it, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, okay, you've got the technology, you want to use it, but let's use it correctly. Let's get a universal sort of understanding of what what is a handball, um, what constitutes that as being a, a penalty, so to speak. So then as fans, you know, at least, at least give us an explanation as to why you didn't, you overturned your decision, you know, People pay their hard-earned money to go see them play. See them play. If you're going to make a decision like that, at least tell us. Tell tell the tell the people why it wasn't a penalty. I mean, referees at times they get very lucky. They don't have to do the press the pre- press briefings at the end of the game. Sometimes they need to be held accountable for what they do. Not saying it's easy to be a referee by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes they need to be held accountable for certain decisions which can sway a game in a particular way. Yeah. <laughs> and from that, we're going to take a break. Group two games in just a moment. Hamburg and Darmstadt will kick us off. Yes, and we start our group two games at the Volkspark Stadion. Hamburg hosting Darmstadt. That game ended 1 all. Tim Skarker opening the scoring just 14 seconds into the second half. And it took an Aaron Hunt penalty in eight, the eighth minute of stoppage time to give Haasfeld a well-deserved point. Um, a game that was also filled with much controversy. VAR was in the works for a penalty, which was correctly given a must with a Vince Heimer fouled by Dario Dumic. Um, what was probably more, more perplexing is it took the referee a good three to four minutes to figure out that it was a penalty. Um... But but ultimately, a game that Hamburg controlled from the offing, they looked very impressive. Um, they'll be disappointed in many ways that they didn't score, um, not from the spot, from a set from a set play. Um, they were the better side, and, and I think the draw is pretty underwhelming after what was a pretty solid performance. Yeah, I was really um, yeah surprised by by the highest foul performance. I really liked them from the beginning on. I think they had a lot of chances. They had like eleven to three shots on target in the first half. Um, I think especially who we should put some emphasis on are and Narai and Yata. I think they really put a lot of pressure on the Darmstadt defense. You could see that. Um, 
But it's the chances were there to score out of the game. For example, Hans, uh, I think he arguably missed one of the biggest chances to mm-hmm. score in the whole game after 15 minutes. And let that be your goal. And I think um, Darmstadt is more or less down to lose. Um, but because everything was nil-nil at the beginning of the second half, and then has we know that from Haasfau, this is... This is if you if you look up high as well. This is the game you want to see because it's like you you are dominant the first half. You don't get a water to penalty, which for me was one um, because for me Leibold was when he wasn't fouled at the box, he was fouled on the line, and that's still a penalty. Um, but Haasfau didn't convert the chances. Then Gramotzes puts on Skarko, who we saw last season as well, and he just scores after 20 seconds, which is a bit lucky for them as well. Um, but then the Haasfau system breaks, completely breaks, and uh, yeah, it's I'm sure missed to secure the lead, uh, different to, to the game last year, but... Yeah, for me, it's has fall all over again. Yeah, that hunt miss is already a candidate for miss of the season. Amazing to be inside the six-yard box and completely miss the target, not even hit the post. Um, I thought the goalkeepers were quite good in this game as well. Marcel Schuen um, in his Darmstadt debut and Daniel Hoyer-Fernandez in his Hamburg debut. Both looked quite impressive. I think, um, you know, Schuen has... A tricky task. Hoya Fernandez was brilliant for Darmstadt in his time there, um, and and made it inexcusable indis- indis- that uh, if there was one position that Darmstadt weren't going to have a problem with, it was goalkeeper. I thought Schuen was was good, um, but yeah, it, uh, you're right, 100 <laughs> percent though. If Hunt if Hunt scores that chance, which I can't get out of my head at the moment, Hamburg win that game no doubt. Skarka doesn't come on as a substitute, and with the first touch of the ball as a Darmstadt player. From Heiden, uh, coming from Heidenheim, he scores. So, I mean, makes a difference. We'll go to Osnabrück. Their, for, their return uh, to the Spider Bundesliga was an unsuccessful one. 3-1 defeat at the hands of Heidenheim. They did open the scoring. Anas Ohim with the opening goal. I'm pretty sure I've butchered his name, but I will get it right as the season goes on. Um, <laughs> uh, but then uh, they fell apart in the last 17 minutes or so. Sebastian Griesbeck getting a goal back. Though Dennis Tomala will probably say he deflected that one in. Robert Leipertz on on 89 minutes, giving Heidenheim the lead. And then substitute David Otto, who's on loan from Hoffenheim. uh, Someone that a lot of people are quite high on. Uh, He gets his first Spider Bundesliga goal. Um, It's fair to say that Osnabrück weren't bad. But that last 20 minutes, inexcusable. Of course, Kevin Voltzer on his debut for Osnabrück, he was sent off. Um, and that really compounded what was going to be already tricky to hold on for a draw. Um, and then, obviously, the demise and defeat. Yeah, I agree with you here. I think um, Osnabrück made a really good performance. Um, or well, a good performance, not very good, but a good performance until their goal, more or less, um, against uh, a team that has overachieved in the last years. Uh, we spoke about that. Um, I think especially I, I was a bit surprised because I think Volza was a really good player in the first half. Um, there was no like there was no shot on target after 30 minutes, which is a bit not not particular good first half 
in total from both teams though but I think that second half it had everything <laughs> goals sent people getting sent off I think um yeah Heiden Osnabrück was arguably more the, the more active team but Heidenheim was really really efficient and used all their chances yeah uh, it was um in many ways last season that was the the thing that made them so hard to beat was their efficiency in front of goal um, with the likes of Gladsuls, your Schnatterers, your Dolvedans, of course. Now, they've had to turn to other options, which, you know, you've got your Tom Ahlers, um, Otto, who, who's on loan, um, Robert Leipertz, um, you know, They're going to have to find ways to find scorers. Obviously, um, if you haven't heard the news, Robert Gladsul is going to Cardiff City in the Championship <laughs> Uh, to, to be with the new Warnock Brigade. £5.5 million is the cost. So that's a nice little pay packet for his services after his best season. Um, they will find ways, and they've done so many, many times before. Um, they did what they had to do. When the game was there to be won late on, they found a way to do so, and props for them. But you know how they can manage the losses of, of such the big players throughout the season will be one to watch out for. Um, the final of our Group 2 games is in Kiel. Holstein Kiel hosted Sandhausen. That game also ended one goal apiece. Kevin Behrens opening the scoring just on four minutes. And then Emmanuel Iyoa uh, on loan from Fortuna Dusseldorf. Uh, X hour. Uh, he scored on 52 minutes. And a, really a tale of two halves. Sandhausen very good in the first half. Um... But then the second half, it was all Kiel. And, and on the balance of play, uh, Kiel probably should have won the game. Yeah, uh, especially, I think, when you look only at uh, 90 minutes plus, uh, I think that is something that Sandhausen players don't want to, to see again. I think there was a chance every minute from from full time to uh, yeah, added time, more or less. <laughs> um and Sandhausen, I think, in the end, they were just settling down on on securing the draw, which was maybe a bit, um, yeah, too careless, you could say. I think um, what was really good, they they reacted very quickly in the first half when they took the lead, but Kia was was really really good in increasing the pressure on Sandhausen so there were change in tactics I think they changed from a 4-2-3-1 system to a 4-4-2 uh, which was a bit more stable defense evenly balanced game than was afterwards and yeah but they lost it in the second half as you said and yeah they I think um, Diekmeyer said it that it was a really weird game yeah it was the first half. Or one thing that I took from the game, uh, which m- seemed to have been an issue for um, for Kiel, was that they were getting heavily exploited down the right hand side. So the the lead that uh, Todorovic, Darko Todorovic, who was a new signing for them during the week, immediately was given the start. Didn't work. Um, it just it just didn't work. Uh, they moved, they kind of, it was a weird, it was just a weird move. He was getting absolutely smashed. They bring Ignofsky, who's also new signing, ex-Magdeborg, Werder Bremen, um, and Freiburg. And it shorted up. I think they moved Todorovic into midfield, if I, if I, or they moved him up 
further up the ground because he was getting exploited. Kind of similar to when you have Jonathan Klaus as your, your fullback from last season where you would kind of hope he was playing in a more attacking role and, and, and it would work better. Um, but but overall, um, I think both teams will be happy. Well, Sandhausen will be happy with the point. I'm not sure how Kiel uh, feel about the result in general. One more break from our review of match day one. We are going to head to Regensburg to start off our group three games. They hosted Bochum. Our group three games start in the lovely city of Regensburg. Jan Regensburg hosted Valfell Bochum on the Sunday, and it was a win for the host, Merced Salembegovic's side, getting his first win as the trainer of Jan Regensburg. Very poxy performance from Bochum. Goals from Benedict Sala, Sebastian Stolzer, uh, Danny Blum getting a goal back from the penalty spot, uh, and then it would be the ex Bochumer. Tombach sealing the deal in stoppage time for Jan uh, Jan Elf. Very impressive. Uh, and it seems that the same sort of vigor and spirit left by Akin Bialorza has been very much applied by Selen Begovic. Um, Eva, I think we have to touch on Bochum. There are a lot of people taking issue with the starting 11. Uh, players playing out of position like Vitaly Janolt, who's not a left back. He can play left back, but he's not a left back. Um, and then having players like Maya Eastfeld, um, who do not play a lot of defense whatsoever. Pantovic is not defensively minded. Um, they were left exposed. They were left vulnerable, and in the end, left defeated. Yeah, I think especially uh, in person of Eisfeld, um when you just look at the second goal for Regensburg. Yeah. Um, you can see that he's not really confident in defending that way um, in in any way uh, because he just, like, he runs up to the Regensburg player but then is totally lost in what he's doing and runs back again and, like, opens up a lot of space for Regensburg. Yeah, um, I think when when you talk to Bochum, our Bo- fellow Bochum fans, um, they weren't really really disappointed by the whole performance of the Bochum defense. Um, it's I don't really know which way Dot was going, trying something completely new. Uh, you can maybe do that from someone that just got promoted, but not from from or against Regensburg, I, I would say. If you're going to try something radical, do it in the friendlies. That's what pre-season is for. You try these things in pre-season, not match day one. I mean, if I yep. was a Bochum fan, I'd be really, really annoyed. Like, okay, we're feeling good about the season. He's, you know, he's saying all the right things. He's feeling confident about the squad. And then they laid a massive goose egg. They were very poor. Um, players looked a little bit lost at times. I'd be very annoyed. I know there was a certain Bochumer who mentioned that they should bring back Gertrude Verbeek. Um, he's here in Adelaide, if anyone is interested, coaching Adelaide United. So um, if you know who this Bochumer fan is, uh, maybe he will. Uh, you can bring him. Come, come to Australia. Come to Adelaide if you want to bring him back. Go for it. <laughs> uh, enough of the A League, anyway. Um, Furt also 
Party game on the Sunday. They hosted Erzgebirge Auer. And again, it was the visitors who took the points in Furt. Two goals to nil. Jan Holscheid scoring as well as Dmitry Nazarov. But this was a game that Furt had control of. They had plenty of the ball. An abundance of chances. And as I mentioned before with Dinamo Dresden, their wastefulness in front of goal cost them. And it's there's no other way to describe it. Um, it also means that in the two previous meetings in Furt between the two sides, Awa have scored seven goals to nil. Are your thoughts on the yeah. game, Eva? Yeah, I think um, if you talk to Danny, um, he would tell you that statistically, there's no way they could have looked just leaving the goal statistic out of this. It's really weird how they lost that game. I think uh, statistically it was quite similar to the Armenia and Pauli game actually. But if you, I was really surprised because I didn't watch the whole game, but just saw the beginning. I think and I was like, okay, now I think Food will win that. They were really, really, really good the first ten minutes or so. Go really eager to go forward to score. Um, our had difficulties releasing pressure. Um, I think Martin Manor wasn't <laughs> not seeing the ball for like five minutes. This was like a attack every two minutes, and <laughs> then Nazarov scores, Horshide scores, and Fürth fans are like, okay, this is how where are our goals? We were. The better team, you, I, I think there's nothing to argue here that if it was the better team, but maybe um, similar to the Osnabrück Heidenheim game, that our was just the more efficient team. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Furt, I mean, Ma- like one player I kept an eye on was Marvin Stefaniak, uh, comes from Wolfsburg. We, as an 18-year-old, he lit up with Dynamo Dresden, played really well. Set up Daniel Caterwell on multiple occasions, but for some reason, uh, there must have been a hex at the goal for Caterwell or something because he just couldn't find the goal. I mean, he had some really high quality chances. They were left frustrated. The third fan, too, provided some very good atmosphere in the ground. Very disappointed. Our fans travel there and they probably wish they could play there every single week because they'd be taking the points. Very nicely. That leaves our last game of match day one. Vehan Wiesbaden and Karlsruhe. It was the visitors who took a 2-1 win. Marvin Pore with the opener, Philip Hoffman. Would you believe it? All the pandering from me, and he scores on the opening match day. Seeing him in the starting lineup was amazing for me, but he had to prove something. He must have heard my comments and thought, I will show this, this little Australian man. Um... Daniel Coffey, Korai, uh, Koraya, also known as the Ingolstadt Killer, um, by uh, Sky commentator York Dullum. Um, he scored in stoppage time, but not enough. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's, it's a good nickname. It'll stick. Um, good, good performance from Karlsruhe, but more importantly, um, for them, they. Break the streak. Wiesbaden did the sweep on them last season. They get the win. Good start for them. And they were very, very impressive. Yeah, uh, I thought so too. I think um, both teams really wanted to start the second Bundesliga season right. Um, but um, yeah, Karlsruhe was really, really efficient. The, like uh, I think Pourier is 
you could say he was really, really angry when he got such like put off again, got got off the I think he wanted to play for like ninety minutes more. You could really see he was really, really angry. Um uh, when Andrew Schwartz put, uh, said, "Okay, this is enough for you today." Um, yeah, I wasn't that impressed by being in the end. Uh, I was, well, maybe expecting a bit more from time to time, especially because uh, this is, on paper at least, a really evenly balanced game. Um, you have two clubs that just come up from the Dritte Liga. Nobody is expecting too much from you. And for me, they were, especially in the second half, focusing too much on their counter-attacks. As a home team, that's for me a bit disappointing, I have to say. And then Karlsruhe was, um, yeah, Hoffman. Um, uh, I think Karlsruhe was closer to score the third than even, although being got one back to being getting a draw out of that game. They, they probably they should have probably scored should. the third. Uh, I know I butched his name, but Poirier um, was was good. Uh, Vantetiak was also very good. He uh, had the assist for the Hoffman goal. Um, good performance, good start. Big game for them at the Park Stadion coming up. And that will lead us into our match date to preview, which will start in just a moment. We will start in Baden-Württemberg. Heidenheim and Stuttgart will begin proceedings in just a moment. Match day one is in the books. Match day two is upon us. Just a couple of days time. We will begin once again in this long marathon of Svarta Bundesliga football. But our big games start in Group 1, and we start in Heidenheim, when they host Stuttgart on Sunday. 1.30 kickoff German time, 12.30 in the UK. This game will be shown in the UK. It'll be on BT Sport 1 and BT Sport Live. You can also see this game in the USA on Fox Soccer Match Pass. These teams have only met twice previously. Wins are shared, one apiece. Uh, the last time they met, it was a Stuttgart 2-1 win in Heidenheim. And funnily enough, the, in, the both, in both fixtures they've played, the result has ended 2-1 to the visitors. This game is quite interesting uh, either in terms of location um, and, and the bragging rights that come with being within the region. Uh, how do you see this one panning out? For me, that's very difficult. I think Heidenheim wants to wants to improve their performance, um, although they won against Osnabrück. But I think Stuttgart is a completely different, um, yeah, team to to play against. Uh, they want to do not only rely on their efficiency but on their qualities they have uh, in in the team, which they have. Although Glatzel, as you said, is leaving or is already has already left the club. Um, yeah, it's Walter is or uh, Tim Walter is being yeah criticized a bit for for some substitutions he he made maybe maybe to put um, this poor youngster on <laughs> that early was a bit tough, but yeah. Um, 
in the end, this is for me a bit. I'm, I'm tending to go with a Stuttgart win. So once more, the visitors taking all three points. Yeah, I'm backing Stuttgart to win two with a score of two goals to one, just to to fill the theme. The theme. Um, yeah, <clears throat> Stuttgart were in control for most of their game against Hanover. Looked very good on the ball. Good use of the wide plays as well, especially the fullbacks. Able to create plenty of good scoring chances. And uh, it's going to be really hard to see them not winning this game. Not saying that Heidenheim can't. We know that they are a big game specialist. They did it a lot, a lot of times last season against the big names. Um, but I think Stuttgart, under Walter, he's got them fine-tuned early on in the season. And it's hard to see them not winning. Um, <clears throat> from there, we'll go to Hanover. Uh, from south to the north. They host Jan Regensborg. That game is on Saturday, 3.30 kickoff local time. This is the first ever meeting between the two sides in in history. They've never met at all. Of course, Hanover coming off the 2-1 defeat to the before-mentioned Stuttgart. Jan Regensborg, impressive in their 3-1 win over Bochum. Well, there's not a lot to talk about because these teams have never, <laughs> ever played before. But Hanover's first home game of the season... They will need to be better. Um, what do you see them doing maybe structurally or systematically? Um, that's not a word, um, I don't think. It probably is, but I'm way too tired to even to, to notice. Um, in terms of their system, maybe personnel, do you see them making any changes from the uh, the four three three that they ran on the Friday night? Maybe have two strikers or how, how do you see it? How do you see Slomka changing it up? Yeah, so he definitely has to change his lineup in comparison to to last week because Australic is off because of he he uh, is he got sent off um, in the Stuttgart game. Um, yeah, two strikers I think will be a good idea against Kingsburg actually because um, you could see that they are really really they continue the work that uh, Achim Bayerlotzer left them. Um, and what Hanover has to look out for is a stable defense, definitely. Also, uh, for, for, especially for set pieces, I'd say. And yeah, then they might get a point, but I don't know, but I, I will back Regensburg. I think um, are they, the pressure is not like, you know, lying on their shoulders, but on Hanover, so they can be a bit calm they don't have this huge like this big uh fail into the season on their shoulders that Hanover has if they not only lose their game at Stuttgart but this as well and sorry yeah no you go you go no no, I I was done sorry (laughs) sorry um I've lost my train of thought um it, it is the kind of game that Jan actually thrives on no pressure whatsoever they can play the kind of football they like um, they are very they are systematically drilled. It would seem it is a word. Um, it turns out, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, it shows how, how how on track I am today. Um, yeah, I, I think I think they they've got the pieces to frustrate Hanover in such a way. Um, yeah, the pressure is on Hanover. They go uh, two losses to to start the season, and uh, there'll be some concerns. Um, you know, I mean, we're two games into the season and imagine, you know, people throwing in, throwing the towel in or, or spitting chips. I mean, gotta, gotta be realistic. It's a, it's a marathon or a sprint. 
but it will be less than ideal if they were to lose to a team that they're expected to win against. That leads us to the final of our Group 1 games, Nuremberg and Hamburg. Uh, that is the last of the games on match day two. It's the Monday night kickoff. This game is on BT Sports 2 and BT Sport Live. Uh, a game that will have much anticipation. Game kickoff is at 8.30 uh, local time. Um, 69 meetings between the two sides. Hamburg winners in 37 of those. 16 wins for Nuremberg, 16 draws. Last time they met was in the DFB Pokal. Hamburg won that game 1-0. Hamburg have won three of the last... The three... Three, uh, the last three meetings, excuse me, between the last two, between the two sides. I'm tripping over my own words. Uh, Nuremberg's last win came on match day one in the 2012-13 season, and their last win at the Grundigstadion came back in the 2010-11 season. It's been a long time coming for Nuremberg to get retribution. Will it happen this weekend? Actually, I cannot see that happening. I think uh, that. Um... Although they, it wasn't their best performance, but that HSV in this comparison is the better team um, for me in many ways. Just look at Enziata, look at Narai. I think they, they're really, really good on in what they're doing in the first game at least, um, already last season. Jeremy uh, Dujak really had a good debut for the HSV team. So for me, this is a HSV win. Yeah, I'd have to agree. In the Dieter Hecking derby, uh, this one should be called. Uh, it'll be the team that Dieter Hecking is coaching um, will be the team that wins. I think Hamburg will win. If they produce anything like they did in the in in the uh, the draw over Darmstadt, they should actually pick up the points. Let's just, I guess for their sake, they'll be hoping they can convert the nice, easy chances that are about a few feet in front of goal. Um, it will be an interesting game, though. Many eyes, and it's good that, that BT are carrying this game as well to the people. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Group 2 games in just a moment. The big Friday night game. The early kickoff. It's Bochum and Armenia Bielefeld in just a moment. Yes, and we start at the Stadion in Bochum. They host Armenia Bielefeld uh, for the early Friday night kickoff. Uh, that game is at 6.30pm local time. They've met 57 times previously. Bochum winners on 23 occasions. 17 wins for Armenia and 17 draws. When the two teams met last time out, it was a Bielefeld 3-1 win. Um, it's fair to say that as we head into this game, that there's been a little bit of trash talking on the old Twitter feed between the Bochum and Bielefeld fans. One of which, that if you're a neutral, you just casually get the popcorn out and uh, enjoy the show. Um... Quite an important game, though, for both sides. Neither wants to head into the uh, the Pokal uh, next week without a win. Um, can imagine the uh, the temperature would rise a little bit if Bochum were to lose. How do you see this one panning out? Of course, I'm there for the game. Um, going all in, uh, I actually don't have that bad. Of, like I was there two times, one win, one draw. I don't want to make it 3-3 and say, Sure, this is a loser's um, right decision then. No, but um, 
on paper, you might say that Bielefeld is a bit an advantage. They at least come off a draw. It wasn't a bad performance, except maybe that when they let that counter-attack slide. Um, but all in all, good performance. Um, it's I'm, I'm interested to see if Harten is traveling with us to to Bochum, he could he wasn't allowed to play on Monday, but he might play on Friday or at least be um, somewhere in the squad. Um, yeah, it's it has all the likings to be a really cool game. It's Friday evening. If you uh, have nothing better to do, watch it. I think it can be really cool. I hope so. It's not my fault if it ain't. Oh um, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to this game. Obviously, what's going to happen now will be a scoreless draw of next to no chances whatsoever. Um, one, one thing that I want to ask you, Eva, was with Bielefeld's team selection. He Neuhaus went with Behrens and Salga as the centre-halves, which I'm sure any any uh, Bielefeld fan will probably tell you that Stefan Salga gives you a good old-fashioned multiple heart attacks throughout the proceedings. Um what, what do you, do you, was there any logic behind the decision or um cuz cuz I think we we were speaking uh in early episodes of the podcast that it was going to be Peeper and Barrett but Salga to start up we were like oh boy um do you know any reasons behind that or I have no idea seriously for me the only way that can be explained in any way that Peeper wasn't really feeling good yeah. um because otherwise, I mean, you could see in the end, Zaga was taken off to bring to bring on Jermaine uh, Kodesbruch just to play one more, a bit more, uh, yeah, into into the lines of St. Pauli. And for me, this is more. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're on the pitch or not. We could easily put a striker on the pitch that never played Zweite Bundesliga before. That is like three heads smaller than you are. It doesn't matter. It has the same impact on our defense. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I do hope people will play because I think for his age, he is really calm. He is really good in going back. And next to Behrend, I see them playing out really well. Yes. So yeah, for me, it wasn't really understandable for the... For my my friends and me, it wasn't really understandable why Peter Zaga played. So, yeah, we will see. Well, we will we'll head to Darmstadt for our next Group 2 game. They host Holstein Kiel. That is a 3.30 kickoff on the Sunday. Six previous meetings between the two sides, and the ledger is split evenly. Two wins apiece and two draws. Darmstadt winners in the last meetings, Three goals to two, both coming off one all draws. Top scorers in this fixture, Tobias Kemper and Alexander Mühling. A game of much interest um, for many Darmstadt's home opener. Quite an interesting one for many reasons. Um, how do you see this one going, Eva? Do, do you think this could be the game that Andre Schubert gets his first win for Holstein Kiel? Actually, yes, uh, I have to say. Um, if Kiel uses their chances this time, uh, I think they are better than Darmstadt, uh, actually, surprisingly, somehow, because it's still Andre Schubert, who is the coach. 
Um, no, but I'd go probably with Kiel here. I'm leaning towards a draw. Um, I think Darmstadt can be a lot better than what they were in Hamburg. That being said, Hamburg were brilliant, uh, but failed to get the full result. Um, Kiel much better in the second half. Um, they fixed up the mis- the uh, the gaping hole that was at right back and um, managed to then gain control of the game. Um, it is difficult to split, and 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 as it is the case when you preview games early on in the season, you don't really know um, who is going to win. Uh, there's not we we don't really know who's bringing what to the table. Only you know the eye test is the only thing we can go on, and um, you know both you know, Kiel showed a lot more than Darmstadt did, but you know on home soil uh, against an opponent they beat at home last time. Uh, would be one to keep an eye out for. Um, the last of our Group 2 games is in Karlsruhe. They host Dinamo Dresden. That is the early Saturday kickoff at 1 o'clock local time. 19 previous meetings between the two sides. 9 wins for Karlsruhe, 5 wins for Dresden, and 5 draws. The last time the two sides met, it was for 4-3 win at the Wood Park Stadium for Dinamo Dresden. Um, this game... Is interesting, but not for what's on the field, but what's off. There's some news that the Ultras of Dinamo won't be going to Karlsruhe for incidents that happened in the previous meeting in at the Wild Park Stadion. A shame, uh, a supporter group that has a lot of passion. They bring a lot to the game. Um, I'm sure the, the players are disappointed, but they'd be understanding of the situation. Um on the field, this game could be quite interesting. Of course, Karlsruhe coming off the win over Wiesbaden. Dresden wasteful, but they showed potential of what they can be going in, going further into this season. Yeah, for me, it's a really interesting game as well, actually. It might not be if you look at it first, but I think uh, there are two sides um, playing each other with Dresden really eager to use his chances. Karlsruhe coming off that win, wanting to continue their good work at home. Um, this, I think this game is really promising. It's a good Saturday, early afternoon uh, entertainment, I, I could assume. So, yeah, it's um, I'm going to watch it. And I'm actually leaning to a draw, though. I think both teams um, bring a lot into this game, but I can't really pick a winner, though. I am going to back Karlsruhe as I did last week. Um, like the way they shaped up. One thing we got right. <laughs> well, it was one of not too many. I believe I was the only one who backed Stuttgart as well. But you know, <laughs> let's not took the trump. But I also picked Osnabrück. So you know, you can't predict this league. Unpredictable is what it is. Um, impressive. Uh, like the way they 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 set up defensively. Um, They've got a good, good, impressive goalkeeper in in uh, Benjamin Up Upoff. I think that's, you know, he's extra got very good. Uh, he was good for them in the Dritzliga last season. It was Upoff. Um, like them to win this game. Um, Dresden aren't a team that particularly travels well. Uh, they did win the last time they they met there, but I like Karlsruhe. I think they're going to hit the ground running and, and uh, they will take. All three points in this one. We'll take our final break. 
Three games left to preview. We are going to start at the Milan Tour in just a moment when St. Pauli hosts Greutherford. Yes, and we start our Group 3 games with the St. Pauli and Greutherford. It is the late kickoff on the Friday night, 8.30pm local time. They've met 30 times previously, with Greutherford holding the ledger with 12 wins. 8 wins for St. Pauli, the rest being draws. In the previous meeting, which was on the final match day of last season, Greutherford will win us two goals to one. Neither side was particularly eye-catching, so to say, but Furt probably had more in the way of optimism. Uh, as uh, Jos Luhukaya said, that he felt his team was pretty good on um, on the weekend. Uh, sorry, on the Monday night against Armenia Bielefeld, but one would many would ask if he needs his eyes checked. They weren't particularly good, but yet they got a point. This game, Eva, quite interesting in the way that St. Pauli got a result where they probably didn't deserve one and Furt were left with nothing when they probably deserved to get something. So is the way of football. Sometimes you need a little bit of luck. Um, how do you see this one going? I mean, Furt were solid without being spectacular, but they showed signs of a team that could actually you know, be ultra-competitive at this level, unlike Sekpali, who looked a little bit off it and were fortunate to get something. Yeah, I am I am definitely going with Fiat here. I think that there's still a lot of, yeah, Sekpali doesn't seem to be a really close team at the moment. Um, I don't know if you all heard it, that Yoslu Kai legendary press conference, he basically said that the team... The players, the fans, they're all shit, <laughs> more or less. Um, and although uh, he was asked after the game, the press conference about it, saying that he, he got backed up by um, by Uko Göttlich, for example, as well as Bornemann, but um, players like Marvin Knoll aren't really... Yeah, confident with it all, all, whole situation. They're really happy with what he said. He basically, if you haven't seen it or read it, it he basically said that seventy percent of the players aren't able to play more than fifteen games a season, and they needed like four transfer windows to actually secure that. That he said that they need new players in in every every field. Uh, and that's not something to motivate your team. Uh, I think I spoke to some some Pauli fans. They weren't happy. They were more or less like, "I hope we lose five nil now." So he he has to go. Um, so yeah, I in in total, I think um, seeing some Pauli play for ninety minutes, I really do see Fiat win here. I feel like we're a bit of a broken record on this podcast when it comes to Yos. Um, in the sense that we we were amazed when he got given the job uh, after the Kalchinski era was uh, concluded. Then we were even more amazed to find out that he was retained uh, going into this season. Uh, and it seems pretty obvious that the fit doesn't, ha- doesn't work. There is no fit between him and the club. Him, uh, Luca and the fans. This has almost remnants of Anfang and Köln all over again. 
Um, they took 31 match days and being top of the table to, 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 to do a number on him. Um, how long will it take for, for Luhukar? Who knows? But uh, one thing is for certain, if there was one man I'd put my money on to lose, to be showing the door first, it's going to be him. Um, if the, play, the players don't trust him... We have to remember, I think, in sport now, it's very much the player empowerment era. Um, if the player's unhappy, they can either force a move or, you know, they can find a way to kind of get what they want, especially, say, in the NBA, for example. We, you know, we see we see that quite often. Um, he's going to lose out. He's fighting a losing battle already. He's put a lot of people offside. Um, and for that matter... Um, on the pitch, I think they're going to lose anyway. I think Furt will win uh, if they produce the same performance they did last time out. Their opponents from last week, our host, Vey and Wiesbaden. Also, this game will be on Sunday, 3.30 kickoff. Local time, seven meetings between the two sides. This is a fixture that Wiesbaden are quite fond on. Four wins, two draws, and one win for Erzgebirger Auer. The last time the two sides met was in the Polkau in 2018. Wiesbaden. 2-0 winners. The last time our beat Wiesbaden was back in the 2007-8 season, so it's been a long time since then. Um, so based on the historical records, Wiesbaden will be feeling pretty confident of their chances of getting a result here, wouldn't they? Yeah, I, I would back then um, as well, I think. Um, don't really see our taking a lot out of this game. Um wasn't really happy with their performance. wasn't wasn't really good. They were just efficient, and I think uh, that being still as a team that got promoted is has nothing huge to lose. But they want to win their second game, um, or like the first away game in that kind of way. So I either tend to go with a draw or actually with a win for the visitors. Yeah. I'm going to sit on the fence. I'll pick a draw. But mindful that, you know, our are quite strong at home, um, considering in consideration compared to their away form. But Wiesbaden, you know, they know, they'll know how important it will be to pick up points on the road um, against the teams that we think that they will be around. Our will be, will be one of those. Um, so this is in many ways, I'd say, a six-pointer. Early, really ultra early in the season for a six pointer, but one that you know, okay, you need to take points against the teams around you. Um, as we expect both teams to be in the bottom six, uh, this game will have mighty importance for both sides. Um, I can't separate them, but if I had to pick someone to win, I'd probably back our um, just, just proven at this level to find ways to grind results, and uh, if. If it's not a draw, I think they'll be able to do the number. Uh, the last match day two preview match is in Sandhausen. They host Osnabrück. If you're not interested in watching Bochum Armenia, this is the other game at the 6:30 p.m. time slot. Whatever floats your boat. I mean, uh, uh, who, who wouldn't want an Aziz Buhadu's masterclass? I mean, that's what I would be asking you. Um, They've met four times. Uh, Sandhausen, one win, two win for Osnabrück, one draw. The previous meeting was a 2-1 win for Osnabrück. Uh, the top scorer in this fixture historically is, is Huddersfield Town's Elias Kachunga. Interesting. Interesting game 
in many respects. Kind of similar to the last game that we previewed. We don't expect... Well, I have Sandhausen quite high up in the table. Um, Osnabrück, not so. Um, both teams failed to win on match day one. Uh, how do you see this one panning out? Actually, for me, it has brought all written over it. Um, I think Osnabrück will be keen to... Um, yeah stabilized their defense they just got off uh, or just conceded three goals uh, they, w- they will be looking forward not that happening again okay, this wasn't really good English but sorry for that um, uh, yeah and Sandhausen I wasn't too impressed by them so yeah I'm going with a draw yeah I will also go with a draw however um, if Kind of like the other game, I'll back the host, Sanhausen, if I had to pick a winner, if I was forced to pick a winner. Um, but I'll also sit on the fence with this one. Can't see either team being able to distinguish themselves as the superior force in this match. Um, yeah, I just can't see it. I, you know, This game has 1-1 written all over it. Um which I'm sure Sandhausen wouldn't mind, but neither would Osnabrück as long as they get off the mark. Uh, getting the first point is always the start to getting many. Um, that's it uh, for this week's episode of the Svarta Bundesliga podcast. If you want to join the conversation, which we'll be talking about VAR on our Twitter, follow us at the Svarta Bundesliga pod. You can also follow uh, Eva at Lottie Bowl, and you can follow me at Matthew Karagic for all things Svarta Bundesliga other chit-chat, and just banter all around. It's been a pleasure to have your company. We hope you enjoy the action from Match Day 2, and we'll be reviewing all the action sometime next week. And until then, goodbye.